The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when it was over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live on bread alone. Then he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. The devil said to him, I shall give to you all this power and glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. All this will be yours if you worship me. Jesus said to him in reply, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Then he led him to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourselves down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him in reply, It also says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So we start Lent, and Lent is a time of the desert. Uh, a time the Israelites went out to the deserts, the Hebrews out of Egypt, and they went out to the desert initially for just 40 days, but then they messed up and it made it 40 years. So hopefully we make it through these 40 days, right, of Lent? Doesn't turn into 40 years, hopefully, I don't know. Um, the, 40, the time in the desert is a time um, of penance, of kind of retreating from the world, but it's also a time of encountering God. The desert is a place where, surprisingly, God encounters his people. It's not in the fancy, it's not in the entertainment, it's not in his mighty works, but we actually see, actually, in the small, quiet, silent voice that God speaks. And where can that voice be heard? Often in the desert. I think a lot of the reason why we have such a a godless kind of generation in some ways, a a generation who doesn't believe in God, who doesn't have any need for God, is because we never hear God. Why not? Well, we're the most entertained generation and age ever, right? Humans have always been attracted to entertainment, right? We have the Roman times of gladiators, right? The sickening entertainment of watching people kill each other or to be killed by wild beasts. Christians were thrown in there, right? But it was for the sake of entertainment because humans love entertainment. They like anything to take their mind off of, often, what's right in front of them. They want to take their mind off of their problems, right? Or maybe the the problems of the world. And so we seek entertainment in so many ways. In this modern age, there is more forms of entertainment than we could have ever imagined. More than ever. Every single moment of your day, you never have to be 
in silence. You never have to be in desert. You can always be entertained. But I think that's also one of the things that has contributed to our lack of acknowledgement of God, a lack of hearing God, our lack of belief in God, because we don't take that time to listen to him. We never hear him because we never have any time for him. The desert is a time to encounter God. I hope that your Lent is going good already, but we're going to take a few steps here in this Mass to also help you try to um, be in the desert a little bit more as well. You'll notice a few things uh, to make Mass a little bit less about entertainment. I think a lot of the times we can approach Mass like we approach the rest of the world and to say, entertain me, right? Engage me. How do you judge a good Mass? What's a good Mass, right? It's one that often we feel like, oh, the choir sang really well. Wow, that was a really nice Mass. Now, hopefully the choir does sing really well, right? But that doesn't make a good Mass. Maybe you judge it on the homily. Well, that was a really good homily. It was really inspiring. It was really helped. But, and hopefully the, mat, the homily is. But that's not what makes a good Mass. What makes a good Mass is our encounter with God. Which happens in many different parts of the liturgy, but intentionally in the liturgy, one of the most important parts, I think, of encounter of God is actually silence. There are certain moments of silence in the liturgy. And those moments of silence are important because they're times for us to listen to God. To realize that this isn't just a play to be put on for you to be entertained, but for you to engage. Now, one of the things that we're doing during Lent to try to make that a little bit more apparent is is, uh, is a few things. One of them is that you'll notice some of the responses are in Latin. Now, now, we all know the responses, right? The Lamb of God. We know the response of Lamb of God. Well, now it's going to be Agnus Dei, right? Which means Lamb of God, okay? It's not uh, fundamentally different. We're, we still know what we're saying, but it kind of retreats a little bit from the world, right? So that we can hopefully step back from the world, step back from our... Uh, our, our sometimes disposition to be entertained and to understand everything and hopefully step back and have a disposition of listening to God, a little bit of mystery in some ways, to recognize that we don't understand everything and to approach him with an open heart, right? One of the other things that you'll notice, and probably the, the biggest notice, is the placement of the altar. The altar has been shifted a little bit. Um, you'll notice that this is kind of the traditional place that you often see in traditional churches, kind of before uh, 1960s, every single church, Mass was celebrated like this. Now, we're not using the extraordinary form, the the liturgy of the 1960s. We're using the liturgy uh, that was promulgated in the 1970s, um, of the Novus Ordo. But one of the things within the Novus Ordo is it, it... It doesn't necessarily say where the altar is. One of the things about the new Roman Missal is the previous Roman Missal explained every single little bit. It actually told the priest exactly where to place their hands, how far apart, and everything else. Now this Missal just says the priest opens up his hands. 
<laughs> it's very general in a lot of ways. And so there's a lot to interpretation. Well, in the reform of the liturgy, one of the things that we're trying to do, or they were trying to do, is trying to engage the people, okay? Before in the 1960s and other times, it felt like a lot of the times the priest was praying the Mass and the people just prayed the Rosary and didn't really engage, didn't really see that they had any participation or point of being there other than uh, just kind of uh, praying by themselves. And part of the reform of the liturgy is to help the people to engage in prayer with the priest. One of the kind of common um, kind of responses to that was to pull the altar out uh, and to have the priest face the people, people versus populum. Now, one of the problems that sometimes happens with that is that we get the intention or sometimes the uh, response as if the priest is talking to you. And if you notice, if you listen to the prayers, a lot of the prayers aren't directed towards the people. The Mass and the Liturgy of the Eucharist isn't a reproduction, a play of the Last Supper. It's actually something different. It's primarily a sacrifice. It's primarily the priest standing in the person of Jesus Christ, not to do, again, a play, an entertainment of the Last Supper, but actually to unite ourselves to the prayer of Jesus Christ on the cross to the Father. And so you'll notice almost every single prayer is directed to God the Father. And that's because we're, say, we're praying in unity to Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ, in his passion, death, and resurrection. His passion began at the Last Supper, you know, finished at his death. And, and so that Last Supper, that entire passion is contained within the Mass and that we're actually participating in it. We're not experiencing it like a play, of, oh, this is what happened, but we're actually called to participate in it. And so one of the things about this is it, it's kind of like going out to the desert in some ways to remind ourselves that we're not here to be entertained, that the priest doesn't stand in front and do everything for the people, and that I'm not talking to you to entertain you, but that we're all here together to pray to God the Father to unite ourselves to Jesus Christ and unite ourselves to that perfect prayer that he offered in his passion, death, and resurrection and to offer it together towards God the Father. Okay. Now, traditionally, this type of setup is called ad orientum. And if you were at Ash Wednesday for one of my services, I kind of mentioned that. It's a, it's a term, it's a liturgical term, which means ad, towards orientum, kind of orient is the east, so ad orientum means towards the east. Now, east is actually that way, uh, so we're actually not faced towards the east, but we are faced towards the liturgical east, okay, uh, which means kind of that fact that uh, we're all directed in the same direction, and because the church is set up this way, we're not going to set up the altar on this side. A lot of churches, if you look at them in the old times, a lot of them are actually directed towards the east, and part of the reason for that is because the east what happens in the east? The rising sun comes up always, no matter where you are. What happens in the east is that the sun rises in the east. What does the sun represent? It represents hope, right? That there's a new day. It also represents light, right? We understand life comes because of the sun, right? 
We are able to see the world. We're able to see truth because of the sun and the light that it gives. Well, same with God. That we peer out and we know that the second coming of God is coming and that coming and that peering out towards the east, towards the coming sun, is that we see all of the world in the light of God. And so as we are faced together towards the liturgical east, we strain towards the coming of Jesus Christ, towards the blessing and towards the light that comes from Jesus Christ and from God the Father. And so as I pray, I I hope that you see it again, not as me turning my back on you. That's not what I'm doing, okay? What we're doing is we're praying together. The priest stands in a special way in persona Christi in the Mass. However, it's not just the priest praying, okay? You'll be able to hear the prayer. You'll be able to pray along with. And I hope that to a certain extent, it's a little bit of a desert. It's a little bit, again, of I'm not here to be entertained, but I'm here to pray to our Heavenly Father together, okay? To unite ourselves to Jesus Christ and all the prayers that we bring before him. During uh, this Lenten season, uh, certainly we're doing those few liturgical things, but we're also going to be talking about the liturgy in general, okay? So we're going to talk about different parts of the liturgy so that hopefully you can continue to engage more, to not just let me be entertained, let me see what's easiest to understand, that you might not judge the Mass simply on whether there's good music or whether you understood the homily or whether you left feeling good. It's ultimately not why we're here. We're here to worship God, to give him the thanks and praise that he deserves. And that's why we're here. We're ultimately here to give of ourselves, not to just consume. Now, if we feel good after we leave, right? If we appreciate the homily, if it is good music, those are all good byproducts, right? Those are all good secondary things, but they are not the primary thing. Primary thing, the primary The primariness of whether it's a good Mass or not is how you come and unite your heart to Jesus Christ. And so let us, this Lent, always in the desert, unite our heart to Jesus Christ and and make it a good Lent, make it a good Mass.